to Walton Biz Talk, a student-run podcast where we have casual conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam and Walton College of Business. I'm your new host, Savannah Rubino, and this season we're taking a crash course into empathy and how it has become the ultimate business buzzword. I'm here with my co-host, Gracie. Hello, it's good to be back. So Gracie was not a part of this episode, which is a continuation of the metaverse, into the metaverse, Um, but I thought it would be interesting to get her perspective, um, granted that um, she herself does not feel too um, in the know about Mm-hmm. these concepts I was going through I was going through the outline before y'all recorded with Billy mm-hmm. and I was like I have no idea what half of these words mean um and right. I I really appreciated how Billy and you and Sugman explained them um because as you know I come from the humanities and we don't really talk about these kind of things we just I mean not to make a gross generalization but we just kind of ignore it and hope that it doesn't come into our lives at some point so um, hope it doesn't, doesn't come into our lives which again I mean that's a generalization but like still um and so yeah I am not an expert I I d- don't know anything and so this is just like such a fascinating like topic awesome. I have to say I even thought that I kept getting the metaverse and the Marvel Cinematic Universe mixed yes. up um, because I'm not that much of a Marvel girl either. I mean, I do like Marvel, but I don't know that much about it. So when people kept saying the metaverse, I'm like, isn't it the Marvel Cinematic? Isn't it uh-huh. the MCU? Uh-huh. Uh, but it's especially relevant today, not only with um, our day-to-day lives, but also in current events, current global events. Um, for example, um, last week on March 9th, 2022, this is being filmed March 16th. 2022, President Biden signed an executive order that mobilizes the federal government to create a strategy for digital assets like cryptocurrencies that promotes innovation in the industry while minimizing risks to Americans and the global financial system. So I thought this was pretty notable because it seems that after a little bit of like kind of putting it on the side burner, the U.S. is finally embracing cryptocurrency. And then um, Sung Min had actually um, made me aware that Ukraine had done crowdfunding via a digital wallet. So Ukraine's Twitter, like the Ukrainian government on Twitter posted um, two links to um, or a link to a digital wallet that anyone in the U, anyone across the world could um, get access to Mm -hmm. and in change they were able to um, donate money from anywhere in the world and they raised up to 10 million dollars 10 million dollars that I last checked wow that isn't that like so cool how you can connect things like technology and like cryptocurrency with like helping helping people and like that and this is the first time it's interesting because i feel like cryptocurrency is always kind of um embraced by those who are like let me play the devil's advocate Mm -hmm. but this time we really see it as some like with those sorts of um concepts we see it as something that can actually um help with the greater good Mm -hmm. so it was interesting to see that but last week, in part one of the Into the Metaverse episode with Billy Edmire, we talked about the metaverse. Um, and this week, in part two, we dive a little bit more into cryptocurrency and its con- connection not only to the metaverse, but to the overarching theme of digital empathy. 
Well, I did. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did want to close out on the metaverse and go into the digital economy and how those two are interconnected. So what is the connection between the digital economy and the metaverse and how what's the difference between how they're protected or the similarities between those? Yeah. Digital economy, again, is one of these blanket words because you've got within digital economy, you've got decentralized finance, you've got decentralized applications, you've got crypto, like you've got a lot of concepts that we could have full podcast discussing each one of them. Um, the, the digital economy, though, when you, when you look at the, the Web 2 version of things, Web 2 has Web 2 applications for finance, like you've got PayPal attaches to Amazon or, or uh, you, you've got banks that, that have that have their, their plugins, their APIs that are shared. In the crypto world or Web3, the Web3 world with crypto, crypto is more than just Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, is, is a technology. It's a, you know, I, I believe it's a store of value, but then you've got other cryptos that are more than just digital money or trying to be digital money. They're trying to be, they're trying to be technology platforms. They're trying to do things called you know, like smart contracts. They're trying to build in, uh, you know, more functionality and utility so that other applications can be built on top of them. And, you know, when you, when you start getting into what, you know, so, you know how, how the metaverse interacts with, with crypto, if, if you were to go to Decentraland, which is, which is a, you know, it's one of the Web3 metaverses that you can literally type in Decentraland and go in your browser and go hang out, you can go see that there's a full digital economy that's emerging separate from you know the US what what the, you know what you can get from US browsers for example i can go to a digital casino right now in decentraland and because it's decentraland and there's there's not ip addresses associated to any of this i can gamble in ethereum i can gamble in 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 uh, in different coins different cryptos it, that that's kind of an example of you know how crypto is 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 tying itself to, to a lot of this Web three because Web three and crypto are in a lot of ways interchangeable. NFTs are built on built on crypto technologies. I've, I've kind of losing thought myself, but you know, with the Web three flavor of the metaverse, crypto is definitely you know, a foundation layer to a lot of the applications that are being built, or it's a medium of exchange for, you know, money, tokens. Hey, if I, if I build this application, you get value out of it. I want to get paid in the token that I've created that's associated to the application, the tokenized economy. Um, so yeah, hopefully that wasn't too complex or I was able to articulate that. Well, I'll pause for a second. Um, one thing I want to add to the digital economy is, uh, as a young, as Savannah and I are young business professionals, um, I feel like it's hard to, like there's a lot of market entry barriers to like industries, like like industrial, <clears throat> gosh, I'm not phrasing this right, but I'm just, uh, the best way I'm trying to explain it is the digital economy is letting us have, there are very low entrance uh, barriers and we can just, be a participant of the market through just having a computer and learning how to code and stuff. Young men, you did this describe it well, much better than I described my previous con concept. You're not wrong, 
with the there what we found is you know for for a lot of these seed companies and corporations that are you know I'm I'm in the Silicon Valley, I work with a lot of startups, but to invest and be an angel investor in a lot of these or, or to even provide seed funding or Series A or Series B, you have to have certain accreditations. You have to have a certain amount of wealth to even be able to participate. Well, come to find out, what we found through like Wall Street bets and through you know through through a lot of these ICO movements is everyone wants to participate. We've been regulated out of it because it's you know the, it's been shown the government's essentially saying we want to protect investors, which is not a bad. It's not like you're coming from a bad place, but there's definitely a market for investors that you know now that information is more free, accessible, and we can see. Hey, I I like the concept that they're building. That's something I want to get behind. I'm going to invest in that with my money, and it's in the form of ICOs or it's the form of you know Reddit bets getting together and saying, Hey, let's go into this company together. There's a lot of risk in that. There's pump and dumps. Some of these coins may not ever provide any real utility. So, you know, yes, you do get to participate, but you are currently, like, like there's no, there's very limited, you know, uh, uh, repercussions for bad actors who, you know, create a coin, collect money, and then essentially run away with all that money and never provide any real utility to their community. So, yeah, um, a lot of risk out there as well as a lot of, again, excitement and opportunity. Uh, that's why I give that disclaimer earlier. It's just like, it's, it's very, it's very, uh, you gotta be very, very cautious out there. Yeah. Since you brought up Sungman, the, um, the fact that there are very low um, it, barriers to entry in this space, what are our thoughts about what do we think how does the digital economy affect luxury versus accessibility because in doing research on nft specifically um and billy feel free to explain what that is but since we're kind of talking about accessibility i wanted to make the point that in my research i found that nfts could make up 10 percent of the luxury market by 2030 and then uh, there's Gucci that did a partnership with Pokemon Go, and then Tiffany's is coming out with a jewelry engagement ring finder app um, where you can try on the ring before um, your significant other buys it for you. So where does luxury play a role into this space where accessibility and low barriers to entry is such a big deal? Okay, so I don't... I don't I... I do want to take a step back and just talk NFT real quick, yeah. right? And I don't want to get too lost in these big concepts, right? Because because where you're getting is, and, and I guess let me let me also say that's kind of the excitement of all of this is we're only limited to our imaginations. Everyone who has an, a crazy imagination about what can come or what will be, yeah, you're spot on because we're only limited to our imaginations with all of this, and that's kind of what brings this so much excitement to this space but then you know you look at how that's manifesting in the real world and that's where i'm very concerned with you know what the like nft market looks like today so many nft projects out there and and, and one of the ways you may measure an nft is what's its utility you know some some nfts are nothing more than just digital art you know there, there's this guy named beeple he does a lot of digital art it's pretty cool i follow him on twitter i recommend you do the same he's awesome uh, puts out something new every day. He put all of his digital art uh, into a single NFT and sold it, made millions off of it. It's kind of what created a lot of the excitement around NFT space. Next thing you knew, everyone wanted to collect digital art. 
but NFTs don't just have to be digital art. NFTs can have utility. And, and now people are exploring, hey, I want to start a business and I'm going to, I'm going to fund it via smart contracts and NFTs. In, in some cases, they're saying, hey, I want to create these digital casinos. Well, the challenge with that is if you're like, if you're in a state that doesn't allow gambling, you, you don't want gambling of any kind, you know, digital or not digital, you don't allow gambling. But with Web3, you can't block it. You can't block the IP address so people can go on and gamble anytime they want in Decentraland. They just do it through Ethereum tokens and they cannot be blocked. Well, did you know that I could buy an NFT that invests in some of these digital casinos? So I get to actually be a beneficiary of the profits of that digital casino. And that's immediate utility that I can go participate in. Now that's become a very common thing. So it's not like, oh, where do I go get the digital casino? There's, there's hundreds of them. And again, some of them are very bad. Some of them are kind of cool. They're probably mostly going to fail. But the idea of it is as a business of, hey, buy our NFT, we're going to create 5,000 of them. We're going to use those funds to hire developers to create these digital casinos that you're going to be part owner of. Like that's a new way of doing business. If you look at some of the gaming that people are trying, the games, the future games that people are trying to develop, you know, you've got people from major studios, even major studios themselves that are saying, hey, we want to take, think about Fortnite. If Fortnite were to take all of the characters, all the skins, all the tools and turn them all into NFTs that you could trade, people, that, would, that would create an absolute frenzy. And the next games, next versions of games, they want that because every time there's a trade that happens or there's a purchase in the marketplace, the secondhand marketplace, they can build into the contract that, hey, every time this gets traded, I get 20% cut. Of, of your 30% cut. So if Fortnite skin, if play, you know player one wants to sell to player two, Fortnite can create a smart contract. Every time this gets sold, I get a fraction of that. And that from a profitability standpoint, Fortnite could be really good. But, but then you've got other people that are saying, hey, I want to create a game in the future, 10 years from now. When we know that even today, like if you've ever played, uh, if you play the new Battlefield game, or if you, if you played the, the, the Cyberpunk game, it's hard for studios to make games, even established studios. So should I trust buying future uh, items and objects for a game that hadn't even been made from developers that I don't even know who these developers are? And so that's where you get really dangerous. Like some of these NFTs, you know, if you buy the NFT, you're part of this, this club, like the Board Ape Yacht Club. I, if I have owned the part of the, the NFT, I get, I, I get access to the community. I get to go to the events. Okay, that's immediate utility if it's worth it to me. But then like this future utility, oh, I like the concept of this game and invest in it. There, there's no protection for that investor. But as you're talking about brands, you know, bring it full cycle to your question. If you talk about brands wanting to create NFTs or even couple of NFTs with real world items, it's very exciting. We're in a hype cycle. I think that there is going to be some interesting stuff that emerges, especially if we've got a digital twin. I want my digital twin to have the digital version of my, my watch. You know, that's kind of cool. Now, is that digital version of my watch going to be some, you know, inflated price that's worth a you know, billion dollars? Probably not. It's probably going to go the way of Beanie Babies where, you know, you're just going to have so many <laughs> and so many flavors that over time, it's just who cares? You know, maybe some of them that matter. Most of them don't. You know, over time, you know, real utility will emerge or brands will attach themselves to stuff that's more credible, kind of like NBA top shots. Uh, but, you know, just right now, it's we're, we're in this hype cycle where it's just more talk than it is anything. Yeah, I I just feel like NFTs are like um, 
like misconstrued and like mislooked at because I feel like like social media nowadays and the general public thinks uh, they're like, oh, paying $4,000 for a JPEG. And it's like, yeah, like there is a lot of that right now, but we've had artists who went independent. Like there's Tory Lanez who sold a million copies for a dollar of his NFT of his new album, which sold out in like 10 minutes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You see like, like stuff like so that's, that's, that's awesome. real utility. Right. It, but you gotta you gotta sort through the crap to get to the fun stuff and it, but but yeah i mean there, there's definitely going to be an emerging market to be exciting excited about yeah and I, I don't deny that there's some real world utility that you know that's exciting and even for our generation it's a new way of do doing things where your generation may may say see the absolute value in it and just prefer things to be done that way um yeah <laughs> now, now I want to get into the cryptocurrency space a little bit. So you talked a little bit when we were talking about the metaverse with uh, about blockchain. Could you briefly explain what that is? Because I know that plays a big role in both of these spaces. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar with it. Blockchain is nothing new. Blockchain is actually an old concept. Uh, but with the emergence of Bitcoin, there, there, there essentially became the ability for blockchain to become a store of value, and then since since that, more technology has been built into blockchain, such as you know smart contracts. And with that, you know, people. Let me let me think of a way to to describe this. The cryptocurrencies of today have made it to where you don't have to rely on a centralized body to do things like, you know, transact money or transact, uh, you know, contracts. From the contract standpoint, uh, the blockchain's a ledger that you can go on the ledger and you can see exactly what happened, when it happened. And this has multiple applications. It, it has applications in finance. We rely on banks to do that today. You have to rely on banks. Well, if the same application has been decentralized and you don't have to trust the bank, you can just trust the app. You know, you can trust the 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 community that's developed this application. You know, some people may be inept to trust the application that's decentralized on a blockchain, public blockchain. Now, in the U.S., you may say, "Well, I trust Bank of America," but if you're in a lot of countries, you don't trust your local bank. You don't trust your central bank, and, and so that's where. You know, some of these are even more relevant than maybe as Americans, we, 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 we give it credit because we, we're very privileged to have, you know, the, the companies that we've got. Um, but then, but then, you know, you think about, okay, what's the future application, you know, what's the future, you know, result of crypto emerging? Some of them can, some, some of the results can be bad because, because people can opt out and if people opt out of the financial system, then. You know, what is the U.S. government? What's our global power if we don't have the ability to, you know, to, to influence, you know, the economy? You know, the, 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 the Fed, all that. You can look at it as a bad thing that they've got as much influence as, as they do. You can look at it as a really, really good thing because they're able to keep us employed, keep jobs. They're able to make sure that the common man, you know, you know ha has a job. So, so how, do, how does crypto play in all this? It's the, same, it's the same debate that we had earlier about Web 2 versus Web 3. Should some of these concepts be centralized? Should they be decentralized? You know, right now, I'll, I'll say, you know, there's one crypto called Solana. 
Solana can do thousands and thousands of transactions. I've actually done business with, you know, with Solana helping them scale out some of their infrastructure globally. And, and they, they look at themselves as being able to even potentially displace like a visa or even, you know, with the smart contract function, they, they could see decentralized applications being built on top of them. You know, they, they see themselves being able to help the, the next generation of Fortnites have digital goods that can be moved between games. They want to do all this from a single blockchain, but that single blockchain is represented in a token that you can go buy right now called a Solana token. Well, you know, okay, why would I want to go to the store and spend with crypto? I can go spend with my digital, I, I can go spend with, you know, PayPal or Bank of America, or I can just swipe my card and I've got Visa today. And I'm happy with that. I'm completely content with that. As a user, you and I may not see a whole lot of difference in the United States, but users around the world maybe don't have the same accessibility to digital services, and that's where we're getting more people to participate. The flip side of that is as a business. As a business, today, if I'm Walmart and i got to pay Visa 2% of every one of my transactions, well, if I only have to pay Solana a penny every time I do a transaction, as a Walmart, I might be incentivized to get you know, to, to also start accepting Solana because now I don't have to pay 2%. What is 2% Walmart scale? If they're able to put that to the bottom line, uh, that's huge incentive. So how can I start incentivizing my shoppers to use more stuff like Solana, especially with, with like inflation, if you're able to get 2% discount just by using a certain type of payment method, you know, there are a lot of people that would be interested in taking that. If I'm, if I'm shopping for groceries and I got to $300 tab, and I, I can, you know, shave off 20 bucks, that, that might be worthwhile for me to go set up this digital version. And for Walmart, they're saving billions by, 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 by doing this. And, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm not saying that Walmart's going to take Solana. Just as a concept, you know, the, these, you know, we rely historically on these centralized institutions that are doing a very good job, you know, in, 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 in these developed nations of, of providing a lot of these services. But a lot of these services, people are looking at, hey, if we decentralize them through blockchain, you know, more people get access, more people can participate. Also, you know, there's, you know, less profit being taken off the top by those who, who possess the technology or the shareholders. So that's hopefully not too much to describe kind of some of those concepts and why they're relevant. Yeah. Um... To, I wanted to step back to um, what you were just talking about. How do you see, um, for example, I know President Xi and China banned public blockchains back in um, 2021 due to fears of pseudonymity. Did I say that correctly? Pseudonymity? Close enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, how do you see actions like that and regulation affecting um, the digital economy of different governments will they become obsolete like what's so I, what's the potential i, I, I love this i love this discussion i'm glad you brought it up because it's very relevant to even this week so china's blocked uh, bitcoin and blockchain multiple times right they have a very difficult time getting it blocked entirely they they can kick out all the exchanges they can kick out all the mining uh you know which has actually been a good thing because it's helped decentralized uh mining it's helped you know, make mining more green. So not necessarily topics for today, but, you know, there's, there's been an argued benefit to it being banned in China. But on top of that, even though it's banned in China, 
the Chinese community is still getting access to it. They, they're still finding a way to hold private wallets and put Bitcoin in it so that they can opt out. Now it's very frowned upon, it's illegal. So do it at your own risk. But if you want to protect yourself, you know, and you make that choice that you want to participate, you can do that. And China is having a very difficult time outright getting rid of it. But why is it important that they do that? Well, they want to control the economy and they're, they're even launching their own digital yuan. And as you launch some of these services, you're able to track users at the user level on everything that they spend. And that is that is government con, you know control of 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 money, which every government wants to be. You know, like look, look at the U.S. dollar. We're, we're we're we are the 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 de facto reserve currency for most nations in the in the world. The, the demand for the dollar is high. You know it's it's the the petrodollar. You know so all oil is 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 traded in U.S. dollars. We get a lot of influence because of that. You know, if you look at if you look at how banks and different central uh, central banking uh, uh, central banking uh, institutions interact with each other, it's through a 40, 50 year old uh, uh, network called the SWIFT banking system. They're all interconnected with. If if the U.S. wants to you know sanction Russia, they just kick them off the banking system, the SWIFT banking system, and therefore they they're sanctioned. And, and you shut down essentially all business activity. Countries, and we've used that, our influence to do exactly that with, with Iran, with, with, with various actors in Russia. If you look at China and what they're wanting to do with the digital yuan, they want to have the same ability to do stuff like that at the individual level. Hey, I know where all of your transactions are happening. I see everywhere you're going. I want to be able to influence how you're spending your money, where you're spending your money. You know, you can do that very efficiently with a uh, with a digital uh, currency. If you're trying to do the same thing with cash, cash cash can disappear. You know, physical cash, there, there's no tracking it. Once it's printed, you really have a hard time kind of seeing how it moves through the system. But digital, you can see digital clearly, especially on a blockchain. You can even control it. And and so for China, they don't want to not have that control. So these 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 uh, decentralized flavors of crypto are very scary to them. Whereas if they can control one, it gives them more control over the population. Where it becomes very relevant to us this week is, you know, even the U.S. is scratching its head saying, hey, should we create a digital dollar? And the question for us as citizens are, do we want them to have a digital dollar? Because you look what's going on with these truckers up in, up in Canada right now. The, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but but they're kind of going on protest because they disagree with a lot of the mandates, the masks, the vaccines. You know, I don't want to get again in a political discussion of what's right or what's wrong or what side to be on. But one of the things that the government has done is they've enacted this this policy from the '80s that says, "Hey, we're going to treat these guys as terrorists. They're trying to come mess with our economy, and so we're essentially looking at them as as terrorists." And a lot of their funding has come from 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 people outside of our nation. So they're trying to enact terrorism. So we're going to freeze all of their bank accounts. We're going to freeze, we're going to give the, the our, our banking system free reign to go essentially lock up all of their assets and all of their assets. If you're a trucker that's participating in this blockade, you, uh, you're all of your assets now belong to the US, or sorry, to the, Can the Canadian government. And Trudeau is getting a lot of criticism over, over, over this policy 
Um, and, you know, he, he's, he's, he's been, uh, you know, he, he's, he's very much drawn a line on what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And he's put these, you know, anyone who's participating in this blockade on the unacceptable, you know, uh, category. Uh, and, and, but now, you know, the truckers essentially said, okay, well, they've blocked our accounts. We'll go through these fundraising platforms. And then the fundraising platforms, the Canadian government said, oh, we should have also included those. So now they're, they're seizing all assets and, and, and making those fundraising platforms adhere to, to, to the same policies. Wow. And so the bank, the truckers said, okay, well, we're going to start using crypto and, and we're going to set up these crypto wallets. Goodness. And the Canadian government said, well, we're going to start working with the exchanges to block crypto addresses that, that belong to these truckers. Now, wow. so, wow. so you look at, you know, from a protest standpoint, you know, what, what they're doing, they're doing from a legal standpoint of seizing assets from these guys, at least it's legal because they're using laws to be able to seize these things. Do you want your government to be able to do those things is the question, because from a protesting standpoint, yeah, they're committing misdemeanors. You could just as easily throw them all in jail for 30 days and fine them for $10,000. But the Canadian government's taken a step further, and from a legal standpoint, they found a way to justify it. But then you start thinking about the concept of, well, what if they had their own digital currency? They had their own digital currency. It would have been even easier for them to be able to restrict the movement and access of, of your individuals. And so, should these you should should these governments have their own digital currencies? What's the what's the meaning behind it? You know, because the U.S. is having to evaluate whether they're going to create one. Like, and for China, you think about this: if you want to take certain every person who's over a certain weight and restrict the kind of food that they can that they can purchase with that coin, you could literally do that. You know, so so you know, who's to say they're going to? But even just the thought of it is very scary. It's anxiety-inducing, and, and so you know, as you start to evaluate, you know, today, you know, you've got digital currencies that. You know, the U.S. is saying, hey, how do we regulate these in a safe way? How do we make wow. these legal? But also, do we create our own U.S. digital coin? What's the benefit of that? We're able to track spending. You know, it's harder for people to do tax evasion, but also it's easier to enact control. Just like from a global standpoint, if we want to cut bad actors out of the SWIFT banking system, if we want to cut bad actors out of, out of the, 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 the entire economy, we could do that in a snap of a finger if we have the right laws. And so that's like, sorry to get on this huge tangent, but good question. Like very good question. You, you know, government back yeah. coins versus I'm on the side of, you know, I like, I like free open, uh, you know, but you know, governments are going to govern, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be governments. They're going to, they're, they're looking at protecting their own interests and, and they're going to look at how do they maintain power and, like this is a very relevant conversation, even to just this week, as as you can see from from what I've discussed. I've I've never thought of it that way, but that was oh my gosh, you just blew my mind. You just made like a Black Mirror episode inside my head. Like I was just like, I just created a Black Mirror episode. Oh my gosh, but uh, talking about regulations and uh, global relations with uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies, I just want to kind of hear your opinion about what El, uh, El Salvador is doing. I, I, at first I was like, that's awesome. A whole country's behind crypto. That's great for me as an investor. Great for me as someone that that's a enthusiast, but the fact that they're printing their own money and then buying Bitcoin 
like as I did more research, the more I got like like swayed away from it. So I just want to hear what you think. Yeah, I appreciate the question. Uh Savannah, hopefully we're not getting too off topic. We're talking, we're bouncing around so much. And I hope you I love it. It's fine. This is an exciting place to be in. It's an exciting time for all of this. It's all related. Uh, as far as El Salvador, it could be very irresponsible what they're doing. The the US, they they don't necessarily love it because we lose our influence. The global banks don't love it. I think it's it's very ballsy. It could pay off huge for them. But at the same time, you know, how 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 behind it were the people? They say there's more digital wallets there now than there are bank accounts. And that's one of the justifications that they're using in saying, hey, more people are participating in this economy. And they've also, because they've got volcanoes there, like one of the cool things with Bitcoin is, is, is Bitcoin, yeah, it was very dirty very recently. It was very big criticism. And so people look for ways very quickly, the community has, to make it more clean. And there's there's thermal power coming, there's thermal uh, energy coming out of these volcanoes, and people are saying, well, why don't we just use that thermal energy from volcanoes to mine or to power Bitcoin mining? And so they're giving bonds for government bonds to essentially build uh, uh, exactly that Bitcoin mining rigs next adjacent to volcanoes. So there's kind of some cool stuff because that's going to be clean Bitcoin mining or cleaner. And, and so there's some cool stuff going on there, but at the same time, like like are they moving too fast? Was the system ready? You know, is this going to pay off? They could fail miserably and it would look very bad to the space. So, you know, and again, it's, it's, you're talking about government, you're talking about politics. Governments don't, I don't care the government don't always have the best track record with, with organization and getting stuff done. Sometimes it takes time. And so just, you know, it, it was, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? My thoughts on it are, it's just way too early to tell. I, I hope it ends up working out and that, you know, of course I do, but you know, there, there's just a lot that goes into it. That's a, that's a, that's a big burger to take a bite of. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is, there's much to think about with both of these topics. I kind of want to bring it back since we've talked about the metaverse, we've talked about the digital economy. Now I want to bring it back to the overarching topic, which is digital empathy. So now that we've talked about all of these things, what do you see digital empathy as? And how yeah. do you see it uh, represented in both of these spaces? Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a hard, again, in preparing for today, I knew you were gonna ask some of the questions related to that. And that's just, that, that for me is the part that I may have, I probably have the hardest time really rationalizing with I mean. I know what I hope it emerges as. I hope that there's good actors. I hope that, you know, we start to really truly see ourselves as an extension of, you know, our physical self in these digital worlds and, and you know, represent ourselves accordingly, you know, as, as the good. But I also know that, you know, there's going to be a lot of bad that, 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 that emerges as well, that, you know, we, we may not be able to restrict it as, as well, you know, within this decentralized world. But if you think about empathy, you know, just Googling it, right? Trying to trying to wrap my head around it, what it would mean. You know, the three terms I, I see is compassion, cognition, and emotion. You know, I can see emotion for, for a lot of legacy internet. You can, you know, a lot of people remove emotion when they're online. Maybe, maybe emotion emerges with this new space, right? Maybe, maybe that's something that you start to see more of. I'm optimistic that's the case. Um, compassion for others. I 
think that naturally you're going to find people that are compassionate people, you know, that aren't, I think that there's a lot more good actors than there are bad actors. So I think that, you know, even, even from a compassion standpoint, let's talk about NFTs real quick. NFTs, I've gone to some of these spaces on Discord and found there's some really good communities for, you know, that are building themselves within NFTs. There's some really bad ones. There's some very selfish ones that all they're saying is let's get effing rich. Let's, 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 you know, let's, let's, you know, that's not adding any value to anyone's life. And I think that as a user, we're going to have to navigate and find our circles. You know, anytime you're, you're going to have to find your spaces or you're going to have to find your applications that you're getting, you're getting value out of. And I think that you are going to see that there are compassion projects that exist. Even in some of the art spaces, you'll find that there, there are, are nonprofits that are attaching themselves to some of these projects. And, and, and so I think that in time, I think that you'll, you'll see compassion, you know, it'll, it'll emerge just like it's emerged within society over the history of society. And then cognition, you know, cognition being, being, being meaningful, being intentional, being relevant, you know, that, that's, that's looking at your audience and, and being relevant to your audience. That's, that's, um, again, being intentional, understanding where they're at, or, or you know, how, how to add value to their life. I, I think that, as it relates to that, that's kind of the whole point of all this. The whole point of all this is to add value. Like none of this is, is to take away value from anyone. None of this is to, is to, is to, you know, the creation of these, these cool concepts. Like I think people are trying to create a better existence for humans. Like even, even for, for, for people who live in places that are less fortunate, like having a cool digital reality to be able to escape to like you know, I, I can see that being a huge value to a lot to a lot of citizens of the world. And, and so I think that, you know, of, of the three topics, what stands out to me is like the biggest upside. That's probably the one. Um, but, you know, hopefully I was able to address all these th all three of these as, as I as I very limited understanding where I'm at today. I'm curious to know in your personal line of work since you work with a lot of startups and you see, like you said, a lot of opportunities, a lot of new ideas, what are some ways that you've seen artificial, artificial intelligence learning digital empathy? Like for example, in the healthcare industry, um, really aiding in this COVID, the COVID era, helping to prevent burnout, those sorts of technologies. What have you seen? Can you think of any examples? Hmm. Uh... That's a that's a tough question. Uh, I, I could say I don't work specifically with AI. I've I've tried to understand it. There's some free online courses that I've taken from Stanford. Andrew, his last name's Ng. I think it's uh, I don't I'm gonna butcher it if I try to say it. But I I've definitely understand AI and 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 have seen companies emerging focusing on AI. But I, I can't say that you know personally I've seen a whole lot of you know direct uh you know implications of ai being implemented i'm sure it has i'm sure it's there you know but but i i'll, I'll raise my hand and say that's not anything that i'm an expert on or directly exposed to gotcha well to wrap up i want you to give if you had to give a 30 second pitch on digital empathy the metaverse the digital economy what would you say and how is this relevant to college students yeah here's what i want to say all of this, these concepts are very big. There's not a, there's not a, there's not a wrong answer. And a lot of, well, some guys sometimes there could be wrong. There's not a bad approach is I guess what I really want to say. Anyone can get engaged with this. 
I'm, I'm from Arkansas, right? And, and I pick on myself sometimes before I ask very smart questions. What I found is most people are capable if they're given exposure. And if this is something you're interested in, go get exposed, go, go, go read into it. There's a lot of hype around it that, you know, some, some of it can seem wacky or seem dumb. And, and I, I totally get that. But at the same time, like the, there are some cool concepts here. And if these aren't the concepts that, 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 that interest you, find something that does interest you because, you know, just being, you know, I love my journey and I, I kind of reflect back on whenever I was in, in, in college, I was probably the dumbest kid in the class. And I, I you know, just, you know, I, I was raised in a, you know, a trailer in, in, in Jacksonville, Arkansas. And I, I, you know, here I am, you know, learning a lot of these concepts and, you know, immersed in this and, and, you know, carve your own path out. If you've got a vision, you're way ahead of the curve than I, where I was. I feel like I stumbled to where I'm at today and learning a lot of this, but, you know, I'd find something that interested me and, you know, I'd dig into it a little bit more. I'd read a little bit more about it. And, you know, we're all connected now, you know, the, the, the internet, you, the, every expert is at your fingertips. They're on YouTube, they're on Twitter. And I, I would just say, go get it, you know, go get after it. If, if, if there's, if you ever feel like, oh, some of this is just too big for me, or I think that, you know, it's, it's too far gone for me to catch up, you're wrong. You know, you can definitely, you know, you've got your whole life in front of you. If, you, if you're excited about this stuff and absolutely make it your passion, you know, don't feel like any of these are, are too big because I feel like they're still too big for me. And if I can explain these feeling like I'm the dumbest person in the room, then I know that anyone who's listening, you know, is quite capable. Uh, before we close out, uh, I just want to give a big thank you to you, Billy. And uh, I just thought you were an amazing guest because you touched base on so many different concepts, such as DeFi, whether it's currency and assets, smart contracts, Web3, NFTs. You gave our listeners that may be a little bit older or that have no idea about this, they might be super interested and engaged now that they're going to go and research themselves and figure out more about what you talked about. So thank you so much. That absolute pleasure is mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been excited about this because it is something that I am passionate about, but I'm also, I don't know if you guys watch South Park. Sometimes I feel a little bit like butters and I kind of look like, <laughs> you know, I definitely don't ever, that's why I also give you the warning of, you know, be careful, be careful in the space. Don't, don't get, don't, don't, don't get too, too excited. You know, this is, this is a, this is a, we're in the Atari version. We got we got our whole lives ahead of us. A lot's coming. So, yeah. But it's pleasure. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you again, Billy. Um, we really learned so much. Uh, if you like what you heard, please download, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're at it, follow us on Instagram at Walton Biz Talk and our new account at Walton BCL. That's all for this week. We'll be back soon with casual conversations about professional things. Bye.